Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Did he Google it too? Well, he scuba dives. He <laughs> he knows. He knows. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't have to Google it. <laughs> he knows how not to die. Welcome back to She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. On today's episode, we will talk about Emily Warren Roebling, who was the civil engineer who completed the Brooklyn Bridge construction. I'm Lizzie Rahr from House Gryffindor in San Francisco. I am joined by my fellow co-hosts, Jessica Nurgidi. I'm Nurgidi Rivas, representing House Ravenclaw in Houston, Texas. And I'm Jessica Rogers from House Slytherin, based out of Washington, D.C. Okay, <laughs> that's great. I love all the representation in the house. Collective <laughs> unity, though. It's time for a disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find about each woman. If we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us, leave us a comment, and we will all continue learning. All right. So, Emily Warren was born on September 23rd, 1843, in Cold Springs, New York. She was the second youngest of 12 children. Wowza. 12 children. That's some cheaper by the dozen family. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, when Emily was 15, her dad passed away and her older brother, Governor, made a promise to their mother that he would provide for his brothers and sisters and their advancement. So with that, Governor, who actually became a general in the U.S. Army, paid for Emily to attend Georgetown Visitation Convent All Girls Preparatory in Washington, D.C. Governor. What a good big brother. (laughs) So, fun fact, the Georgetown Visitation Convent was the first Catholic all-girls school in the United States. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I went to a Catholic girls' school. And that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, while she was there, she studied a litany of subjects that ranged from mythology, meteorology, bookkeeping to crochet, tapestry, and guitar. That sure is a litany, all right. 
tapestry, meteorology. <laughs> yeah, I like how we're working the word litany in there. <laughs> that's also that's a real eclectic curriculum. Yeah, that's one way to call it. Yeah. And that's not even all the subjects either. I only listed some of the more out there ones. There were at least 10 more that I didn't list. But the latter subjects were, of course, because they made her better marriage material. Okay, first off, please include all the subjects on the show notes because I'm curious about all she learned. Will do. Second of all, guitar. I guess that does make someone better at marriage. My husband plays guitar. It's nice. Oh. Well, you know, mythology and meteorology can be helpful in a marriage, too. Yeah, that's true. If you know your sign, then you understand your partner better. Oh, wait a minute. I'm confusing meteorology with astrology. (laughs) Well, maybe (laughs) it's all about what's in the stars. Not quite the same. But I was thinking that if she got upset, she could turn into Medusa, like mythology. (laughs) (laughs) Great point, Jessica. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Things you learn. Lizzie, we're taking this in a huge tangent. Yes, please continue. Bring us back. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) Emily graduated in 1860 with the highest honors. And at the age of 20, she was visiting her brother, Governor, and went to a military ball with him. And while she was at the ball, she met the civil engineer, Washington Roebling, who was an aide serving under her brother in the Civil War. And well, ladies, apparently it was love at first sight. Oh, but it'll get cute. Yeah, so cute. Mm hmm. So in less than a year, they were married. And I also read in one place that apparently they had a joint wedding with one of her siblings at their childhood home. Ooh, joint wedding. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know if I like the joint wedding idea, even though it seems like it could be cost effective. But getting married in less than a year, it sounds so quick. Yeah. I mean, it was love at first sight, so they didn't want to sit around and wait. It was also 1860. Well, you know, the men just died easily and the women, too. So got to hop on it, get put a ring on it or keep it moving. (laughs) I was thinking more that people got married pretty young back then. But, you know, and quickly. But Mm -hmm. both good points. That also that the dad died after 12 kids. You know, life is short. True. Very true. Mm -hmm. Well, Washington's father was also a civil engineer and Washington worked with him on various projects after he left the military. So when they got married, Emily and Washington lived in Cincinnati for two years while Washington worked on the Ohio River Bridge construction, a project of his father's. Hmm. I'm starting to see perhaps some foreshadowing. Mm, Perhaps. Also, I love my dad. But I don't know if I could work with him. We have really different styles. Yeah, it takes a special relationship slash work dynamic for you to be able to work with a parent. Yeah, definitely. Well, after that project, Emily and Washington moved to Europe for two years and their only child, a son, was born in Germany, John A. Roebling II. They had gone to Europe so that Washington could study bridge construction techniques so that he could help his father on an upcoming project, the Brooklyn Bridge. Ooh, man, the Brooklyn Bridge. That's amazing. It was the longest span suspension bridge in the world at the time and the first to be built with steel cables. 
Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. So a little bit of background. In the mid-1800s, it was becoming clear that a bridge to span the East River from Brooklyn to Manhattan was in dire need. The sheer number of boats trying to cross the river to ferry people across was becoming untenable. Plus, in foggy or icy winter conditions, they often couldn't cross the river at all. Untenable indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Untenable indeed. So after a lot of back and forth, the project was given the green light, and John Roebling was named the main engineer, and the final design was approved in June 1869, and two days later, John Roebling's foot was accidentally crushed by a ferry boat, and his toes had to be amputated. Oh gosh, that took a strange turn. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it's like the boat fought back. No, no bridge can cross me. <laughs> Don't mess with the ferry boats. Yes. Well, the boat won because two weeks later he died from a tetanus infection. Whoa. (laughs) I did not see that coming. I'm sorry. (laughs) Very one. John Zero. And I go back to my comment. People be dying. Exactly. I I was about to say. (laughs) I know when you said that earlier, I was like, just you wait. People be dying. See, tetanus. (laughs) Did he marry young? Take Don't matter. He died. <laughs> no idea. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so after that, Washington was appointed the chief engineer in his father's place, and he took over the project. And during that time, Emily wanted to help. So she started studying civil engineering and various topics that were needed for bridge design, such as strength of materials, cable construction, stress analysis, and physics. Wow, that is some weird nepotism, but I guess that's cool for Emily. (laughs) Yeah, it worked out. So the bridge was using a newer technique to build the foundations of the towers, and they were doing this using caissons underwater. Uh, what are caissons? Not super sure. Lizzie, explain. Okay, so a caisson is a large watertight chamber, and it's open at the bottom. And then when you push it below the surface, water is kept out of the chamber by air pressure. And then if you're inside the box, you can do construction work underwater, but you're not like in the water. Um. (laughs) That sounds like super nutty and interesting, but also like a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. It was revolutionary, right? Because you can do construction underwater, but yeah, still a little bit weird. And hopefully I explained it well enough. Civil engineers will come tell me, I'm sure. (laughs) Please do. Write it in our comment. Yes. Yeah. So while the construction was happening, a lot of the bridge workers were contracting a new disease called Quezon's disease, including Washington. Oh, snap. Weird disease alert. First, Lacker's disease on episode 15. And now this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're referring to Eileen Gray. You know it. I forgot about that. You're right. Well, today we know Quezon's disease as decompression sickness or more commonly known as the bends. (laughs) That got worse and worse. Yeah. What's the name? Yeah. (laughs) Decompression sickness and now the bends. So basically, though, these people were dedicated to work and getting sick. 
Also, I forget that they were physically going underwater to build because, you know, the machines that do this, they weren't invented yet. Wait, but let's go back. What's the bends? All right. So the bends, right? It has to do with like the nitrogen bubbles in your blood. This kind of reminds me of when you are scuba diving and they teach you breathing techniques because when you are breathing underwater, you're breathing compressed air, which contains nitrogen. So as you ascend, you want to try to get rid of as much of those nitrogen bubbles as possible through the different breathing techniques, because if you ascend too fast, those bubbles can expand in your bloodstream and they can block the blood from going into your muscles and it can get stuck in your joints and that can just cause mucho pain. Oh, yeah. So this was bad news bears for Washington. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Right. And this is the second chief engineer to either die or fall deathly ill. Washington was paralyzed and bedridden for the remainder of the entire bridge construction. Ladies, that's some bad juju on this project. Mm. Yep, that is just some dangerous work. Yeah. So for 11 years, Emily stepped in to handle her husband's position as chief engineer while also caring for him and their son. What? 11 years? That superwoman also super brave. Knowing what happens to the people that handle this project. Right. Okay. So this reminds me of Christina Yang in Grey's Anatomy when she had to take over Burke's surgeries because of his hands. I mean, it made her a better surgeon. So I want to think that it the same can be said for Emily. <laughs> Good analysis. Same thing for sure. Yes. So initially she was mostly keeping records and delivering messages And this was also to assure people that her husband could still complete the project and to hide the severity of his condition. Oh, yeah. That's a Christina Yang situation for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gradually, however, her knowledge about engineering topics related to bridge design was noted by many. And she was often thought to be the chief engineer. Oh, yeah. Boss lady. I'm surprised she didn't receive any pushback. Yeah. I'm really glad and surprised she got the credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1883, the New York Times wrote an article and talked about a group of men that went to the Roebling House to discuss engineering topics with Washington. But when they got there, quote, their surprise was great when Mrs. Roebling sat down with them and by her knowledge of engineering, helped them out with their patterns and cleared away difficulties that had for weeks been puzzling their brains. Don't send a man to do a woman's job. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She was also the face of many ceremonial events for the bridge, including the first walk under the bridge on a small walkway across the East River. It's actually a five foot wide plank and in the middle of winter. Yeah, I don't know what's scarier, the five foot wide plank or the middle of winter part. Yeah, neither sounds great. No. So in January of 1882, a new mayor was elected in Brooklyn, Seth Lowe. He tried to have Washington fired from the project because Washington hadn't been to the site since 1872, 10 years. And it seemed like his wife had taken over the job. Ah, okay. I was wondering where the sexist BS was going to show up. Bam. There it is. Mm. That's low, low. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what upset low more. That the chief engineer wasn't actually doing the job or that a woman was the chief. 
Would Lowe want to fire Washington if it was Washington's brother that took over on the down low like Emily did? Oh, for sure. I mean, Washington's brother probably would not have to take over the project on the down low like Emily had because, you know, she was a woman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Emily went and talked to the American Society of Civil Engineers and convinced them that her husband should not be replaced. She was the first woman to speak at the, not surprisingly, all-male group. It's crazy because it's been 10 years, right? So it's only now that it's an issue. Obviously, things are moving along. So what's the problem? The lady with the skirt had all of the solutions that the men couldn't figure out. Yeah, firing Washington almost at the end of the project would do more harm than good. Lowe was probably all bent out of shape because of the embarrassment of a woman running the show. Actually, I'm sad that she couldn't fight for herself to officially be the chief engineer. I mean, she already was, but at the time, it was out of the question. I guess she was already pushing it. Yeah, it's a real bummer. Well, a week before the bridge opened, Emily got to be the first person to cross the bridge in a vehicle, which at that time was a horse-drawn carriage. But it was a new Victorian one. Oh, wait, did you just say the new Victorian? Très chic and modern. Mm hmm. Yeah. Hot couture horse. Strike a pose. Oh, I think the carriage was Victorian, not the horse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, the horse got to keep up with the carriage. The horse was doing the little Paso Fino stride. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Speaking of animals, she also apparently brought a rooster across the bridge with her because it's a sign of victory. Had no idea. (laughs) Sounds super interesting. Also had no idea. I think I want to bring a rooster with me to things like sporting events and whenever I complete projects. Also, (laughs) (laughs) we should have brought we should have brought roosters at graduation, (laughs) y'all. But okay, yay for completion of an iconic bridge. But I think it's also a victorious moment because a woman was behind this. Yeah, she should have brought a statue of Nike, the goddess of victory. Maybe she forgot her mythology classes. (laughs) So true. She had a lot of things. She was carrying a chicken. I mean, a rooster. So Mm, just saying. Well, anyway, all the workmen stopped and cheered her on as she was driven past. Oh, that's really lovely. Yes, bring out the roosters. I like that they were so congratulatory. Yeah. And at the opening ceremony on May 24th, 1883, Emily and her son John walked across the bridge together on the promenade from Brooklyn to Manhattan, where they met President Chester A. Arthur. It was considered the greatest engineering feat in U.S. history at the time. Pause. Who that Chester A. Arthur? I've never heard this name. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie. I immediately thought of um, Cheetos. But um, I didn't know that Chester A. Arthur was president. But according to the internet, he was the 21st president. Yes. Uh, okay, well, good for him that he got to meet Emily and inaugurate the Brooklyn Bridge. Can you imagine walking this amazing project with the chief engineer? I'm super jealous. Mm-hmm. Super jealous of Chester A. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> or meeting Emily. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, Emily was even credited in the opening speech by Abram Hewitt. He first noted her father-in-law and husband, but said of Emily, 
It is thus an everlasting monument to the self-sacrificing devotion of woman and her capacity for that higher education from which she has been too long disbarred. The name of Mrs. Emily Warren Roebling will thus be inseparably associated with all that is admirable in human nature and with all that is wonderful in the constructive world of art. Okay, can we say that this sounds like one of the nicest compliments that one of our ladies has ever received? Like, well, she was alive to hear it, giving her proper right? credit and praise. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I think I'm going to cry. That was so lovely. Yeah. It's a little sexist, but not backhanded. Yes. Right. He's not saying despite her being a woman. He's recognizing that women didn't have the same opportunities and that they deserved them. Yeah, there are definitely parts of that quote that probably could have been said better. But I like where he mentions the second part. Emily will always be associated with the construction and completion of this great engineering marvel. Amen. Mm -hmm. Well, after the bridge was completed, the Roeblings moved to Trenton, New Jersey, and Emily oversaw the construction of their new home, which apparently included the rooster from her carriage ride, and it had been <laughs> stuffed. Oh, Jesus. That's nice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, Emily was very active socially in groups such as the Daughters of the American Revolution and others. She traveled a lot, and apparently she got invited to the coronation of the Tsar of Russia, Nicholas II, and also got presented to Queen Victoria in London. That sounds really cool. Who knew she had that kind of connections? Of course she did. Everybody wants to meet the woman responsible for the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in 1899, Emily graduated from the women's law class of New York University. She was 56 years old. Say what? OMG. She don't quit. Keep going, Emily. Yeah. She graduated with high honors and she was asked to read her paper titled A Wife's Disabilities at the Commencement. So her essay on equal rights for women was part of an essay contest and she won first place and $50 which then was probably a decent amount of money. I am very curious to read this paper. Yeah, me too. Not going to lie, though. The title suggests that it would be about some hypocrisy. Yeah, I was like, where's this going? But I get the disability is that we don't have equal rights. Right. Yeah, the title needs some work. Okay, so also the internet tells me that the 50 bucks would be worth around $1,600 today. Yeah, it's a good chunk of change. All right. Okay, plot twist, though. After she's done all this awesome stuff with her life, her professor, a man, is praising her work and her writing. And apparently her husband said, quote, I never heard her essay until tonight, and I do not agree with one word she has said. W.T.F. What an ingrate. Did he forget the decade she spent doing his work? Ugh, divorce. Wait, so this dude ain't dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, this whole time you thought he died? Well, <laughs> I thought he might just be chilling at the house, reading books, being paralyzed. And eventually he died because the conditions probably weren't that great. <laughs> but what you're <laughs> telling me, Lizzie, is that he just rolled over in his Hot Wheels to see this <laughs> ceremony where they honor this woman, his wife. <laughs> and he just now realizes that she accomplished all of these things, but she doesn't deserve 
any of their credit or recognition for them. The ferry boat needs to go and finish the job with Mr. Washington, if you ask me, and decompress some more. I mean, decompress him some more. Do you guys understand why I'm slithering now? I think so. sometimes it like it makes sense. Like I was offended at first, but it makes sense how I feel this way. I think you're a great Slytherin. Yes. Um, but to answer your question, Jessica, pretty much. And she'd been taking care of him for all these years. So it's because of her that his condition could still be so great. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Anyway, she was still highly sought after for speaking engagements. So she did that for many years. And in December 1902, she got suddenly sick and died two months later on February 28th. 1903. She was only 58. Oh, oh no. She was so young. Mm-hmm. And getting things done. Maybe we would have gotten the right to vote earlier and equal rights had she kept going before Phyllis was born. OMG, wait a minute. <laughs> Did Mr. Comatose outlive her? Oh, yeah. So to put a bit of salt in that wound, Washington remarried and lived another freaking 23 years. What the F? What the actual flip? <laughs> I know. You know what? I hope that dead stuffed rooster haunted this man every night and he never got a good night's sleep for those 23 years. <laughs> I agree. But you know what? Let's not end her story like this. Yes. Speaking of roosters... Let's talk about her victories. Yes, she studied every subject under the sun. She took care of an ungrateful husband, a child, and the Brooklyn Bridge at the same time. She got a law degree. She fought for equality. I mean, she was the real deal. The Brooklyn Bridge, you guys. The world saw her as someone to execute this marvel, and they praised her. We never get to hear when other people praise our ladies while they're living. They respected and acknowledged her enough to let her be the first to walk and drive the carriage across. Despite her douche of a husband, the world celebrated her and we are celebrating her today. Such a great story, Lizzie. Yes, I love that we're ending our season with her. Lizzie, read that quote again. Let's end with that. The name of Mrs. Emily Warren Roebling will thus be inseparably associated with all that is admirable in human nature and with all that is wonderful in the constructive world of art. Amen. I love it. I love it. All right. Before we leave, we have to tell you who our karyatid is for this week's episode. Jessica, can you remind us what a karyatid is? But of course. So some background. A karyatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. Each episode will choose a karyatid, a woman who is working today furthering the profession through their work and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. Without further ado, this week's karyatid is... <laughs> Don is a bridge engineer, and she got a bachelor's in civil engineering from Case Western Reserve University and a master's in civil engineering from UC Berkeley. She has worked on many different types of projects over her career, including pedestrian bridges, suspension bridges, and cable stay structures. 
And a few of her most noteworthy projects are the Gerald Desmond Bridge replacement in California, the new bridge for the St. Lawrence in Montreal, and the A30 in Montreal. According to LinkedIn, she currently works for the New York City Department of Transportation as the lead engineer on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway design build project. Looking up all those projects, they sound gorgeous. Suspension and cable stay bridges are so pretty. Yes, I love this. And I agree with Norjiti. I love a good suspension bridge. And I love a pedestrian bridge, too. Mm-hmm. So Dawn is actually a listener-suggested caryatid. Shout out to my friend Jenny, a listener, who is also a bridge engineer. And she worked with Dawn at Arup for a while. And she told me that Dawn was a bridge badass. And <laughs> Jenny's also the one who first told me about Emily Warren Roebling. Awesome! Yes, I love when our listeners offer suggestions. I love that we're ending this season talking about two bridge badasses with amazing projects under their belts. What an inspiration. Building bridges to greatness. (laughs) I had to do it. It was right there. It was right there. All right. Before we say goodbye, we want to say thank you to CMYK for the music, to John W., our technical producer, and most of all, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Emily and Dawn along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, thank you. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, your grateful, devoted, loving husbands. Give us five stars on iTunes. Write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter, shebuildspod. Until then, bye. Adios. Bye. My dad says nitrogen bubbles in the bloodstream. Period. <laughs> okay. What he says no, no, one. No. Keep going, Jessica. Keep going. One partial <laughs> sentence. <laughs>
then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name <laughs> we did it guys oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere Woo! it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.